0: You are listening to the Tipped Out Podcast with your hosts Danny Christie from Danny Christie Golf and Brandon Palmer from Balance Performance. In today's episode, we have a fellow Delhi alum, James Lichtenberger, join the show. James is a PGA professional and is currently the first assistant at Engineers Country Club on Long Island, where he spends a great deal of his time giving lessons. As a result, he is an experienced instructor and excellent teacher of the game. We were fortunate to meet James and listen to his presentation at a teaching summit while we were students at Delhi a few years ago. Since then, he has been a great source of information and guidance to us as we begin our journeys in the golf industry. If you are looking to improve your golf game or curious about the golf industry, this is a great listen for you as we cover these topics and more. James is a great guy and we truly appreciate him joining us to share his insights. Enjoy.
1: All right, guys, welcome back to this episode. This is the Tipped Out Podcast here. Today's guest, we have James
2: Lichtenberger. What's going on, James? How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on your tipped Out podcast.
1: Of course, brother. It's great to
2: talk to you again. I don't know
1: when was the last time we saw you. The Delhi welcome back like the three years
2: ago teaching. Yeah, teaching summit that we kind of put together. I mean, yeah, it's probably like four years, three years ago now.
0: Nice. Crazy. I remember the teaching summit. That was a
1: cool thing. That really was. Yeah, I I really like to see that, and we we'd really like to see that again. Definitely, I know the the guys there at Delhi now would really get another good kick out of that so
2: yeah no it's something that uh we all have interest in if you're interested in being a golf pro for sure you know you want to get to know a little bit more about how to teach and not embarrass yourself and
1: yeah definitely
2: so we know a little bit about you but our listeners would
1: love to hear a little bit about you so if you could real quick touch on you know your little bit of your background where you come from and then kind of how you got to where you are today
2: So, um, I just grew up, I was born and raised in Long Island, New York in a town called Bethpage for those golfers that kind of know that town. Um, I never really played golf until I was about like 15 years old. Uh, like getting into it, you know, I never really was in the competitive side of it. I just played for fun because it was in my backyard. And, you know, from there, I just went into, you know, play every day practice i started working at the golf course you know when i was a senior in high school and got really into it and i wasn't really interested in um like going to college to do anything else but play golf but um i found out the degree of professional golf management and you know we pursued that a little bit we looked at some schools and delhi was a good choice because of the you know it was locals, It's a three-hour drive from my house door to door and it wasn't as far as Penn State and it wasn't as expensive as Penn State. And so it just kind of worked out good. And I'm glad I went there. I enjoyed every year I was there. The first year was definitely tough and got better as I uh, spent more time there. And I started interning in the summer as we all all have to. And I worked at uh town of Oyster Bay Golf Course. It was just a local muni. And I started teaching on a range and I worked camps, and then I found a demo tech job on the weekend, so I worked for Mizuno. I did that for four straight years, and four straight summers in a row. I loved it, and when I graduated, I needed something a little bit bigger and better. And I jumped over to Colonial Springs for six years. Last year, I left Colonial Springs, and I moved on to Engineers Country Club. Um, it was just time to make a change. I was there too long. I kind of outgrew the position. And uh, this am going on my second year at engineers this year. I'm uh, really loving it. So it's been great.
1: Nice. And I think I asked you this question before, maybe like my freshman year of college. And so for our listeners that have uh, heard some of our earliest podcasts, so Danny and I went to Delhi and that's of course how we know uh, Mr. Lichtenberger is, he was an alum from there as well. He came and did some teaching summits, the Delhi welcome back scrambles. Um, Yeah. I remember asking you, did you always know you wanted to teach um, when you started, whether it was going into college or even once you got there?
2: I I, I would say, yeah. I mean, when I worked at the range at Bethpage, there was, you know, I was picking balls, so I wasn't doing any teaching. But, you know, there was always this golf pro named Ron Faella He was, like, kind of a staple at Bethpage at the time. And I kind of looked up to him. And, you know, he wasn't the green country club professional. He just had – he had, like, a little bit of a – you know, a uh, an edge to him, which I always liked about him. And he was like the people's pro, you know, he was like very relatable of everyday life. And, you know, for those who play Page, it's, you know, it's like, it's not like country club ish, you know, people playing jeans and, you know, it's like very like welcoming. And, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, you know, that job looks pretty cool. And I kind of just went that route. You know i was really i just loved golf i was just such a golf like i had golf balls in my head as a kid like you know as a as a you know an older kid and i just loved yeah. any chance that we got to go hit hit a few on the course or hit it in the range i lived at the range in my internships at night because we had lights on it i would go back after work in like 13 14 hours go back to the range and hit balls and you know i just took to it it just was like my zen and happy place you know it was Nope, you don't. You know, really think about anything when you're playing on the golf course. Mm-hmm. You know, it was great for me.
1: Did you play on the men's Delhi team? I can't
2: remember. Yeah, I played for two yeah. seasons. I obviously didn't make the team the first year. Because, uh, I want to say, we had like sixty somewhat kids try out for like three wow. spots. You know, wow. my our programs were a little bit bigger than your classes than they, yeah. they were now. But we had. It was competitive. It was a four day test of golf and thirty six holes two of the four days. It was it was crazy. But I didn't make the first year, I made the second year in the in the per, second and third year. And then the fourth year with, you know, the whole PGM like, you know, P A players ability test, I just I was just I skipped it. It was there's was so much else going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was it was good. It was a good learning experience for sure. But the greatest thing about Delhi as you know is you don't have to be on the team to find a group to play with or to go play the golf course anytime you want.
1: Definitely.
2: I remember just speaking
0: from experience, it was, it was cool um, playing that tryout at Delhi. It was really the first like four day event I played in, which was kind yeah. yeah. of definitely good. a little more pressure there, but it was just, it was a cool experience for sure.
1: The funny part, did you feel this as well? Um, for me, I don't know whether it's coming from hockey or maybe I was just young and foolish, but there was such like a chip on my shoulder when we were playing those rounds. I just remember looking at all the other guys and just wanting to beat them so bad and like not liking a lot of them. And I mean, we didn't know them yet, right? It was the first
2: couple of weeks yeah, of. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah and I mean, then I felt like the opposite. I didn't have really chipped. Like yeah, everybody feels like they're the big fish in their small pond at home, you know, like, you know, like I'm the best player on my high school team. Like there's no way I'm on <laughs> my <high school> team. <laughs> then, then you go out and you see what you can produce and you're like, Jesus, I mean, I'm not that good. You know? <laughs> which, is, which is, which is, I think as a human being, it's, that's, like, everybody goes through that no matter what you do for a living, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you think you're, you know, all of this stuff and, you know, nobody can tell you you know, what to do. And, and then, you know, it's funny, like you said, you go in there and you don't like anybody. You have this like mm-hmm. a right away. You're like, I'm like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. You find things like you don't like about them. And I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's just a jock male thing. You know, we do that. I think every sport does that. that yeah, you're, your competitive right. juices are flowing, you know. But then the mm-hmm. coolest part about it is you really get to know the people. And like, I could say right now that my freshman year of college, like nobody liked each other. You might have had like one friend, you know, you find that one guy that you like connect with and play golf with. And, and then by the time you graduated, like, Oh my God, we were all friends. Like it was, we had such chemistry with each other, which you can relate to, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: We, we definitely didn't like each
0: other in high school.
1: Mm. No, yeah. Danny and I played head to head against each other many times and I can count on one hand, the amount of times I beat him in high school. It was a, Almost a one-sided rivalry. Um, but, yeah, that was it, – it's always nice to have people that push you and, uh, you know, just kind of get you to that next level. And that's really what the team became for us was just us competing against each other. And that it felt really cool because we'd go out there and try yeah. to beat each other in the course. And it worked out well. And we ended up winning a good amount of things in tournaments. And it
0: was a yeah, great time good. looking back. But uh, so let's jump back in, and I got another question for you. Um, sure, What does your typical day look
2: like, and what are your current goals? Oh my God, my typical day, man, you need, you need a couple of Red Bulls in you, no, but not, but <laughs> caffeine and caffeine and concentration. My typical day, I mean, it's changed throughout the years, for sure. I mean, today, my typical day is I go to work probably too early for when I should be there. I love going to work. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of settle in. I find – I have my schedule predetermined weekly. I, I'm like kind of like a doctor on the schedule side of things. I make sure everything is booked in advance. I'm very like a I'm not a last-minute guy, which I'm sure my members don't love about me. Sometimes somebody wants to grab me for like 20 minutes, and I'm like, I don't have 20 minutes. Sorry. But, you know, so I, that's why I get there extra early just in case – if somebody has a question or something, but, uh, you know, I'll go in. I'll, I usually teach, I mean, I try to do four hours in a row when I get there. I mean, four hours is like my maximum concentration level. And then uh, I usually take like an hour break and I'll finish with four to five on the back end of the day. Now, it, it's not all teaching. Some of it could be fitting or some of it could be, you know, like, oh, i just want to see my numbers on track, man. Or some of it's like, hey, James, you know. Kind of hit this on the track, man. I want to see what this does, but you know, it's 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 predetermined. It's booked. Uh My lunch break it usually consists of me ordering golf clubs or answering some phones while I'm eating my lunch. So you know, it's, it's it depends. Day to day changes. That's why I love what I do. You yeah. know, but usually, you know, on the weekends it could be eight to ten hours a day in lessons, and during the week it could be. A four-hour lesson day with like a bunch of like tournament stuff. I gotta get ready for for an upcoming week, or you you name it, I do it. And my current goals, my god, my current goal is definitely to be a head professional. I would definitely want to be one. You know, this whole lesson thing is awesome, but you know, I don't think it's you could do this forever. You know, it's it's exhausting. You know, um, I just love being around the membership. I love the camaraderie between the professional staff and the members, you know, you become like a part of their family. You know, you get to know their kids, their wives, their, you know, everything about them, you know, what colors they like, what bags they like, what clubs they don't like, you know, and you really, you know, you take it like as a, you know, they become like your friends. And that's what yeah. makes it so hard to move on to a different club is because you get so attached to the people that you work with and it doesn't become like, you know, it become, doesn't become work. It becomes like, oh, let me go in early. Let me see, like, you know, Jack, he's my yeah. best friend. I want to I catch up with him, see how he's doing. Let me watch his game. So my current goal is definitely to be head pro. mean not yet. I love what I do. Uh, director of instruction, you know, I, I always wanted to do that. But at the same time, I want to be a well-rounded individual in the golf field. And I feel like I can – I am well-rounded to begin with, and I'm going to become even more well-rounded. And I don't want to focus my energy completely into something. I want to focus it into a little bit of everything. I love the merch side of it. I love the club side of it. I love the uh, travel pro-am side of it. Like I, just every bit of it. The tournament side of it, I don't love. I've mm-hmm. learned to love it a little bit. You know, it's not my favorite part, but in any job, there's always something that you don't like to do. Um, you know, it depends on your boss. I mean, obviously, boss is definitely key. It makes your job a lot more fun.
0: Yeah.
2: But yeah, that's my goal.
1: Well, I have two questions or two pieces to that. So the first part, when you were talking about your day to day, you said you go in early in case, you know, people as golf professionals, we get pulled in a lot of uh, directions. Right. And so yeah. were you always able to kind of be your own boss in a way of having, structure and being able to tell somebody no i don't have time were you always that way or is that only kind of in the recent years you've been able to kind of choose when you have time? yeah i
2: mean it's not about choosing that you don't have time it's just that you don't have time you know i mean it's i mean that's a great question i mean i always i'm always there to talk to somebody if they have a moment even if i have to wait five minutes like my one o'clock's here, and this guy needs me for like five minutes. I'm more than happy to talk to him for five minutes and maybe be five minutes late to his my lesson. You know, and that happens all the time. I walk down a hallway at the club. You walk down a hallway and somebody's gonna grab you with something, whether I'm going to the bathroom just for a break, and then they're like, hey, James, but but I think that's what I love about it. I mean, as weird as that sounds, I think like you feel like a celebrity at the club, you know, you yeah. really do. You really do. You really feel like, you know, you I be, I'm like a, on a one-name basis. I'm like Madonna, like James, James, yeah. James. Like, so, yeah, yeah, it gets annoying at the same time because you know you're busy and you know you got to catch up to something else. But, yeah. yeah, I love it. Any members named James
0: got to go. There's only
2: one. James. Yeah. <laughs> there's no Jameses at the club, you know. I mean, like yesterday was our opening day and the, I mean, the range and our putting green are situated in the same spot. And, like, I got finished up at, like, I want to say five ish and like, you know, I'm, I'm shot. I mean, I'm dead like five o'clock. I'm shot. I got there at eight. I mean, I had seven in a row yesterday and, and then like, what I'm getting, I get I'm taking my track man down and my bags back with toys and putting it on the carts and like everybody's, Screaming my name in every direction, like you got five minutes. Take a look, you know, like you know, what did you do here? I'm like, we just opened, guys. Like, relax. <laughs> like, I have the whole season out of us. Yeah, but you know, the excitement. You know, you know the excitement that you, we have, like opening day. Like, we're over, oh, we can go play golf again. Like, it's so exciting, mm-hmm. which I love about it. Definitely, and
1: that's the perfect little segue into my second and final question. With that piece, is you kind of answered it a little bit, but have you always worked at a member facility or have you had the chance to teach more like public I mean. or resort? Like, I'm just curious. Yeah. Do my, you
2: resume, my resume's do you I mean, I've done, I've done everything. I've worked, I worked at Bethpage. I worked on the pro shop side, on the rain side, outside, off side. Page doesn't really have a membership side to it. I've worked at a, Another Muni, a little bit of a a higher-end Muni, uh, like $150 to play around. So that was like a little bit more clubby, meaning like you'd see the same people. Mm -hmm. I've worked at a resort private in Florida at the Polo Club of Boca Raton. That was ridiculous. That was like 700 – sorry, excuse me. Like Mm -hmm. I want to say more than 700. There was 1,800 residents on property. Wow. Pretty much most of them were golf members. You were become, you, you was like more of a number there. I mean, I've done, I did some teaching there, not really private instruction. I was more of like a seasonal assistant. And then I worked at Colonial, which was privately owned and, but it was member driven. And then now I'm at a privately owned club court facility, which is, it was a member, my club I work at now was a member, member owned club, but now it's uh, owned by club Corp. Oh, cool. Yeah, a little bit of everything.
0: A question out of your last answer. um, You you talked about how, you know, you want to become well-rounded. Currently, you're in a director of instruction role. Is that, um, was there a time where you thought maybe you wanted your main focus to be instruction? And then after doing it for a while, you decided not to, or?
2: Well, I'm currently in a first position, a first assistant position, not a director of instruction. I feel like a director of instruction okay. <laughs> because that's all I do. Um, you know, I definitely do a lot of this stuff, but you know, like got life changes, you know, like every five years for us, you know, you're, you have doubts and you have fears and you, you don't really know what direction you should go in and. It changes. I mean, my I when I first set out on my journey, I definitely wanted to be a head pro. Like that was definitely what I wanted to do. But I always looked at it, a head pro as like he did everything. Like he was able to do teaching. I never thought like of like all I want to do is teach. You know, it at first assistant position in New York is mainly teaching because we really not every club has a director of instruction. We don't have that hierarchy of of employees it's more like director of golf or head pro and then assistants and then t- maybe a teaching assistant but um no nah, I, I i'd go anyway as long as i'm in the golf field maybe i don't want to be a ranger for life or a caddy for <laughs> life but yeah i mean I, i'll go in any which direction if the right opportunity it was at the right time
0: definitely i like that I like that um so do you want to talk a little bit about club fitting, just how, kind, of, kind of how much club fitting you do and, and what kind of you know a typical process for a fitting would be? Because Palmer and I definitely aren't well-versed in that and not very experienced in that area.
2: So. No, club fitting, I mean, I did like three club fittings today. We've been killing the sales this year because of the supply chain. Because you know, So I'm forcing everybody. I might like, buy it now. So we've been doing quite the amount of club fitting. Um, you know, I think the most important thing in club fitting is the educational standpoint to the person that you're selling a club to. You know, if I'm given a lesson and I see what they have and, and know I've seen so many golf swings and so many good swings and bad swings. If I know like that they're putting a good swing on the golf ball and they're not really getting their max out of it, I know when to throw that in. Like you know, I think you need new clubs. You know, but uh, now with the technology, it's so easy. We have all the fit cards at work. Um, I think the first place to start with a club fitting is just assess what the student wants. You know, like what are you looking for? Are you looking for distance? Are you looking for? Obviously, everybody's going to tell you they're looking for distance. You know, very rarely do you get a kid coming to you that swings 120 miles an hour with the driver, but it does happen. And sometimes, you know, for that kid, maybe he's playing those rogue irons that go. Oh, his seven iron goes 200 yards, and you're like, dude, you need new clubs. And he's like, well, wow, I'm hitting my seven iron 200 yards. I'm like, well, that's not really what a good player does all the time. Meaning, like, you're not always looking for distance. You might need to curve it, or you might need to stop it. Or... So, I think in you know finding out what they want always the first stop and then the second stop is you know putting them on some sort of launch monitor just get them get them aware like i'll put a club even in my lessons where they aren't interested in clubs i'm like how about we just try this shaft or how about we just try this lighter weight graphite shaft you're playing steel shaft so and then and then i think just like i said educating them will open their eyes a little bit more to what they need you know and then the segue in with club fitting is you've got to kind of understand their mistakes. You know, how many golfers we work with that come in with the handle really high toe down, you know, and like, Oh, you know, you can bend a club. And they're like, what you can bend a club. I'm like, yeah, you can bend the head up and you kind of show them what that means. And, or, you know, how many students you have that hit it thin, you're like, maybe we'll give you a half an inch of, Length to your shaft, maybe that will help you out a little bit. Or your grips are way too freaking small, <laughs> or your grips are way too big. You know, I'm hooking the, I'm hooking it like crazy. I'm like, well, your hands don't fit your grips, so maybe we need mid sized grips. So like, you know, I think that just educating them that way, and then going into a regular clip fitting is so easy. You know, you give, you kind of have an idea of what they need. I usually start off with the worst possible option, but an option. I know it's not gonna work, but let's try it. And then I usually start off with one head, and then I used to go, I go through like five or six different shafts that I know that they need. I looked at the numbers. I don't really tell them anything. I just ask them to hit shots. I tell they'll ask me. I ask them how it feels. They tell me it feels good. Is it heavy? Is it light? You know how many times I, I give somebody a lighter shaft and they tell me it feels heavier. I'm like, well, you're feeling the head weight. And uh, you know, you know, so, and then basically, basically, when I find the right shaft comp- combination for them, I'll be like, all right, "Let's go, let's go." Sh-. I would say, "Let's go shopping. Let's go head shopping." And so we try all the different heads on maybe two or three of their final shafts that they got out of the ten shafts. And then when we when we hone them in, it does. You it can, I think, fittings to me take less than an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, within thirty minutes if you're if you know them. If you don't know them, maybe you need forty five minutes, but Within 30 minutes, you'll have an idea what they need. But club fitting is so big in our game because everything is so custom now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even so if- you got your start with Mizuno club fitting?
2: Yeah, I worked with Mizuno as a demo tech rep, as a, de- a demo days. It was an awesome segue into my uh, universe of private clubs because that's where I went. I fit private members and – you know, at the time they released something called the shaft optimizer, which was pretty damn cool. It was like a kind of like a tumor on a club shaft, and it told you like these numbers. and You plug these numbers into an iPad or computer, and it was a cell phone at the time, and it would tell you like three possible shafts that would work. We measured it by like the kick of the shaft, the, the way the toe came down on it. They still have it. They made it better than it is now, but that was like a really easy way to pick the shafts out without using a launch monitor. You would have them take five swings with this shaft and you take the numbers and they trained me. They sent me to Norcross, Georgia, and I went to the factory and they were very well known for their three-day turnover times and getting clubs out. It's a little different now. Now you wait sometimes six months for a set of clubs, depending on the shaft or the grip or yeah, but that was a great way introduction. And I made so many mistakes, you know, and, you know, you just don't know. You got to make mistakes to get better. There's nothing wrong with that. And the members, you know, they, they buy so many sets of clubs in their lifetime that maybe they'll find a set that works, you know, up here at least. But, you know, so many people have the wrong bounces in their wedges. And, you know, I had a guy today, for instance, he's like, I hit every one of my wedges fat. I'm like, OK, let me see your wedge. <laughs> So I look at his wedge and he's got like eight degrees of bounce and like I'm like I'm like dude you have no bounce. He's like what do you mean? I'm like I'm like you know I give him like a fourteen degrees and he's like oh my god I can't hit this fat, you know. And, and I think it's just I think they're just depending on where you work. I worked at Colonial Springs. Colonial Springs was probably one of the best memberships I worked for. Meaning is in golfers, they were good golfers. You know they were really good. They were competitive. They, a lot of them hit it as far as I did. It was embarrassing and then you know you know and they would shoot you know if they had a short games they probably could shoot what i shot you know they just didn't have their you know short games but now i'm at engineers and and these guys are a little bit more blind to what maybe they should have or they never really had a pro that was able to spend time with them on track man so i, I you know just giving the service that's all i'm trying to do just showing educating that's so important yeah so if
1: For our listeners, if they don't have an awesome uh, professional around like yourself, what's the best way for them to kind of learn a little ins and outs of fitting so that, you know, they can kind of just not be so blind to the topic? Would you say uh, YouTube or is there books or maybe even go to like a fitting
2: course? Yeah, I mean, nowadays, I think it's so easy to find a a, book a fitting, you know, like finding a PGA professional is pretty easy, too, with all the website stuff, but you can find a fitting club champion has great fits and you know maybe i don't believe in their price structure you know how crazy expensive things could be but but you know again everybody's trying to make money and it's a business and but yeah you, you youtube's good i think youtube is good and bad like mm-hmm. i don't believe in all this stuff i see right. you know again it's so general like everything you show on youtube is is obviously content like just could be good content. It could be bad content. There's a lot of bad content out there and there's a lot of good content out there, but the person who's looking into it is just trying to fix what they're doing wrong. So like if you've got a guy who's chunking a wedge, he's going to go on YouTube and be like, how do I chip, you know, and, and then maybe not even look up that bounce video or like, but I think the companies are getting really good with like educating people with commercials and like, you know, and all these like, you know pro's going to hit all the clubs, like I think Max Homer did this thing with titleists, and he hit like every club the t one hundred the t two hundred t three hundred and you and you saw the difference in his numbers w one with the same swing and how different these clubs are for him or shafts so i mean i I really do recommend that you definitely go to some sort of specialty fitter just if you're really into the game and you're gonna spend that much time doing what we all love to do, definitely spend yep. some do it right.
1: And how about one step further? What about for uh, young up-and-coming professionals like ourselves that want to get a little more knowledge and we don't really want to trust the uh, possibilities of the YouTube not being as intricate as we'd like? Is there um, a certain brand or company that you'd recommend to go to that we could either be certified in or that have some information?
2: There's, There's all universities online now. You know, Callaway has a – you know, Callaway will send us Callaway University and you can go online and get certified. And Titleist has their – Titleist, you ball, you know, university with balls and, and what each ball does and club does. And all these companies have avenues to become better mm-hmm. without a doubt. You know, you can you, – you, and also I think the best thing is just trial. Just take it out yourself. You know, take it out yourself. Mess around like – With a you know, a stiff shaft and a regular shaft. See what it does. What does an extra stiff shaft do? You know. But once you get into it, you kind of know what the colors on the shaft mean, high, low, in the middle, you know, and that Callies, fit cart, they like label everything like mid mid trajectory, low trajectory. So you can really you go into it somewhat blind, but do it to yourself. Fit yourself. Best way to do it. Perfect.
0: Sweet. Um, Anything more with fitting? Yeah, I just want to kind of ask, is, is fitting something – well, I'll just leave it a little more about how do you, with, with a typical student, do you combine fitting and instruction slash education as well as maybe fitness um, into a lesson? or, not?
2: Fitness is definitely – I mean – the better golfers are definitely more into fitness than the 20 some handicappers. Yeah. It depends on, you got to know your audience. You know, you got to know their budget. You know, budget plays a huge factor. We're not cheap anymore. It's not like five lessons for $200. It's five lessons for almost, you know, close to a thousand in some cases for certain people. Yeah. So, you know, the fitness. I think screening the body is super important. Like I know, Danny, I know you're into like Mike Adams and all that stuff and how the body works. And I think that's important, you know, for sure. But you got to also, again, if you know your audience and you know, if you're in a lesson with somebody who physically can't make a move, you got to come up with something on the fly. You got to just go with it. You know, some of the things that I can't to my 10 o'clock lesson, I would shoot myself if I said it to my 11 o'clock lesson. You know, but you got to know every time you teach somebody, you're teaching four people because they're going to go out and tell their threesome that, oh, James told me to try this with my wedge. And then they're all going to try it. And then they're going to go, oh, that sucks. That doesn't work. You know, he doesn't know what he's talking about. And but, you know, again, everybody's so different. The body in fitness wise, I think most people just have to get out of get off their desk and just move. You know, it's not it's pretty easy. I don't think it's like. You don't have to be tired, you know. Just get up and move, and people don't move. That's, so good. That's really it. I mean, fitness-wise.
0: Yeah, awesome. I was just curious to see, how, cause yeah. I've been waffling back and forth, and you see, you know, you hear a lot of things. Well, you guys
2: are, to- you guys are super. Um, Super ahead of where you should be, you know. what I'm saying you guys are really educated in what you guys want to do in your careers, and I think that's awesome. And I wasn't like that, absolutely not. You know, I, I obviously wanted to be good. I mean, I just wasn't. You know, you guys speak to so many different people, and Brandon, you work at a facility with these top teachers, and and Danny, you know, you you're you're reading all these body mechanics stuff, and and you just gotta take what you want from it and what works and. You know, I'm, I'm a big hands guy. I feel like everybody can do something with their hands. You know, it, it, it they might not be able to do it every time, but I think it's, you got to find something that relates to them. You know, I mean, I tell people all the time, my biggest thing with chipping, I always tell everybody, go, what do they say when you hit a nice chip on the ring? you know, your them says, they always say, they say nice touch. They don't say nice turn. You know, I say you got to use your hands. You got to, you got to, you know, you, you can't just use your whole body all the time. Yeah, exactly. You know, so you got to connect with them and make it like very, you know, and have them see these like ways that you could teach and they, what they could take and pull from it.
1: Yeah. And so with that being said, do you have a teaching philosophy or are you a, for lack of better words, a method teacher or are you pretty individualistic?
2: Yeah, I'm just James Lichtenberger, man. I don't have no methods. I mean, I'm just I just go with the flow. I mean like I said, what I say to my ten is not gonna be what I say to my eleven. In some cases it is, you know, you never know who you're working with. I mean, the first question that's so important to me is if you have any injuries. You know, because like right away. And then I have a philosophy about body types. You know, you get a skinny, like thin, lanky kid, and you get a big heavy guy who can't move. So you got to be able to, you know, real, you know, again, find something what they're right away. The first thing, instead of looking at what I see wrong, I look at what I see them doing well. Mm. I'm like, wow, this guy, this guy's got fast hands or this guy's hands don't move at all. Or, or <laughs> yeah. this guy's six foot eight and he swings at a hundred miles an hour. And you're like, this kid probably swinging 150 miles an hour. And you just think to yourself and like, you're like, well, what's not working now? Like, so what they're doing this well, but this guy's not hitting it that far this guy's hitting it left this guy's hitting it right and you just try to find what they're doing really well and then I just try to improve what they're doing well I mean instead of trying and then you know sprinkle in what and you got to know your students like longevity is he going to be with you the whole year is he going to spend all this money to get better or is this guy just looking for a band-aid is he looking and I tell them that I say are you a band-aid guy you want a band-aid are you going to go play today and you want to play good or do you want to like actually fix this and they'll be like, I need a band-aid now, but I do want to fix it. So, you know, but like, well, all right, I'm gonna show you something now. It's gonna hopefully work, might not, but then we gotta fix it. And yeah. then we go from there. It'll work for fourteen holes a right. Yeah. They're like, Yeah, I hit you know, hit the driver good on the first four holes and then it went away. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you're also as much as they love you, they can hate you. They're like, You suck, you're like you screwed me all up and yeah. And I used to take that to heart. I really did. I was like, a, I was like, I felt terrible. Like I was like, oh my god, this guy. Like three guys came in today, give three lessons. They all play bad, you know. And and that, it happens. It, you're not. I tell them, I'm like, I'm not magic, you know. I just I can. I know what you're doing wrong. I just you got to work on it. Yeah, that's so true,
1: man. I mean, that's I see that day in and day out. Danny just had this. He and I just had this talk. I just came back from uh, a tournament with some of our junior students down in uh, Palm Beach. I mean, man, we work on things day in and day out. I mean, this is a year-round, every single day, six days a week academy. And they're junior golfers, right? I mean, they go right back to their old habits. They make the same mistakes. We do pre-post-round analysis. I mean, it's it's very in-depth and still they make mistakes and you know, of course our instruction is correct or everyone makes mistakes, but it's always, you know, with good intentions, it's just very difficult sometimes to kind of not put that weight on yourself and just kind of let it be known that it is a long process and they're just juniors or it could be anybody, but that is a tough concept.
2: Yeah. No, Danny, have you had any experience in your time with like stuff like that where people struggle Oh, so I was just going to say, I think that's my biggest, like,
0: it's what pushes me so much to want to be able to give great lessons to everybody because like as great as it feels to see someone super happy with helping them and both people feel great, I feel just as bad when I'm like, geez, why can't I help this
2: person? So sometimes you got to just kick them in the butt too. Like, you know, like I have, I have guys that like, I see him hit balls in the range and I'm like, why are you at 16? Like what? What are you doing? You know, you got to be the, the, not a teacher is so much more than good instruction. It's, it's a good friend. It's a, uh, it's a person that they can confide in about maybe their insecurity on the golf course. Like, you know, they're embarrassed, a lot of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to be uh, like welcoming to what maybe they come to you with. You know, sometimes they're intimidated coming up to you. Like, like we, you know, I'm, I'm lucky and fortunate enough to work with not only myself at the club, but. There's two players, uh, Andrew Sabota. He's on the PGA Tour for two years, and he's now at, you know, off the tour. He had some corn fairy status. But anyway, he's a hell of a player. He was on the tour. He played against the best people in the world. And, and then my other teaching pro that's there, she comes from Florida. Her name is Jean Bartholomew, and she's so talented in, in the golfing. And these guys know what they do on the golf course, and they do it well. And they might not be the best at telling you what they do well, and it's just you know they just do it. It's it's like an instinct for them, and that's why they were are where they are, you know. And and to, for as a member to go up to a PGA Tour player and tell them like that, like I'm shanking the ball, it, like it could be embarrassing, you know. And you if you have that personality where you're like, well, I shank it too. Like get feed, you know. Tell me your insecurity. Like we'll, we'll fix it. We'll work on it. We'll do it. It. When the range is empty, we'll do it around the corner of the range where nobody sees you. Like they're embarrassed sometimes to take a lesson. And then, you know, I always make it a point that I teach in a, on a private area on the range because a lot of people don't want to be seen taking a lesson, yeah, you know, it's yeah. a, amongst their friends. They're like, well, you know, I keep getting shit from my friends that they tell me I'm taking lessons. And I still stink, you know, so they want to take them in private. Like, is there anywhere I could do it around the on the golf course or do, do it away from people? So. You know it's 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 intimidating for a student but teacher is so much more than just good lessons for sure
1: yeah that's why i'm most grateful for my opportunity at this academy because it's it's so much more and my boss our director said this is a you're a golf coach right you're not a golf instructor and that that to me was a big difference i mean these kids are international students and they're here mostly year-round and you know, they're missing their family. They got school. They got boyfriends and girlfriends. They got, you know, all the troubles. And, you know, I just got to teach them how to hit a little ball in between all that stuff. And so that's, uh, that's perfect because that's that's exactly where my head's at too. It's just everything besides golf. And then hopefully you can just throw sprinkle that in, right?
2: And it follows you home. And then you get the late night texts of my swing and other problems yeah. that I got going on. It's a 24-hour-a-day job. It really is. That's
0: uh, that's one lesson I've learned is uh, not to give my phone. What was
2: that? Oh, it's oh. me.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought there was. I'm all like... alone, man. <laughs> um, what else is going on? I, one thing I've learned not to give your number away too early.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? My 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 fiance. She's like, you know, what are you doing? It's like ten o'clock at night. I'm like, oh, some guy needs help his golf swing. <laughs> you know, it, it is. You know, there's a time where you, you know, you got to draw that line between work and your personal life. But being a golf pro never feels like work. It just feels like you're trying to help somebody out. You know, but you know, you do have to be reminded. I have, a, I have a strong family at home that make sure that I know that. Yeah.
1: That's good. We always need that support system. And uh, sure. Right before we came on air, we were talking about the struggles of long days and then trying to, you know, keep our sanity while we try and play or practice golf. So yeah. for you, um, what would three quick tips be to a young golf professional? Usually, we're, you know, we're telling tips to golfers. Now we'd like a couple tips on, you know, professional to professional.
2: Get it in while you're young. For sure. Get it in while you have no other responsibilities. I mean, that was probably the biggest help for me working in Florida and playing on, in the winters and getting away and working on my craft. And, and the second, I mean, I live by this, but time management so important. I mean, I have an email I send out every week, the, the uh, Friday before the following week of my schedule. And I make sure that I have time in there to hit balls or you know, find time to, to, to get good at my craft. And then second, and then the last thing, I mean, just listen, like, listen to everybody. You might not like it all. Some people like to read. I hate to read. It's just not my thing. You know, I mean, and when would I do it? You know, like I don't have any time to do it. And second of all, you know, like, you know, watch YouTube, and listen to what these people have to say. Like, all these top 100 instructors have great channels, and I love Mike Malaska. He's, like, one of my favorites. No. You know, I love Cuomo. He does that Cuomo Expedition and, and yeah. Martin, you know, and Martin Chuck, and, and there's so many great people. And, I mean, I think the most important thing, and, and I'm so lucky to be able to do it, is, like, going to these continuing education seminars. You know, like, we have a lot in the med section, winter education, where we're lucky to, you know, host a James O do do a short game special. And we get to ask all our questions about like how we would work with somebody and the way you guys are doing it with me, like you're just trying to get some tidbits of of maybe what you can take and your nuggets. That's your famous word. Right. So I think it's important, you know, just get a little bit of everything from everybody. And then whatever you do, just make sure you work well with the team that you have at the club you work at or, wherever you work. I think that's so important, whether it's the restaurant staff or the guys that you're working with, just treat everybody like, you know, treat the same people who clean the toilets, the same as the people that run the whole place. Yeah. Incredible.
1: Really appreciate that insight. How is James? Oh, I, I follow him on Instagram and his oh, content's kind
2: of really cool. Yeah, yeah, he is cool. He answers all my DMS too, which I love. Really? You know, I'm, like, well, I'm like, how do you do that with this guy? And he, he, Two days later, he'll tell you how, but mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's so, it's so cool. The med section, our section does such a great job with the education stuff and the PGA shows and teaching summits and, you know, other colleagues. I mean, I take lessons from another colleague of mine and i love him to death. His name's Nick Iacono. He works in Philadelphia. We worked a little bit together in Florida and we just kind of, you know, we, if I'm struggling, I know who I'm going to, you know, mm-hmm. and don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed to play bad. Yeah. You know, your bad day is still better than most people's good days.
0: True, right? Yeah. It's very true. Speed questions? Hit them yeah, the speed so round. we got our little – and we'll wrap it up. We've got uh, three we call speed round questions if you're ready. Go for it. All right. What is one piece of advice you would give to someone that wants to improve their golf game.
2: Short game. Short game, yeah, absolutely. Do you have
1: any uh, like favorite drills or challenges or anything? I know it's it's a very open-ended question, so feel free to kind of tuck in whatever you would like. Oh my God, yeah.
2: If you're trying to get good at your game, you got to put time in. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Second of all, if you're if you're going to the range, you got to set up a practice station. You got to know and read your ball flights, I and mean, you got to know if it's going right, if it's going left, it's going left, it's going right. And I have so many people that don't know which direction they hit it in. They think it's straight, and they hit it forty yards left. So <laughs> you, you, you gotta have you gotta practice with a purpose. I'm not I'm not, I love drills. I'm I'm a one handed swing kind of guy. So I right hand dominant, right hand only drills, chipping. You can take it to the bunkers. You can take it to the full swing. Very pitch shot oriented. I like hitting a lot of pitch shots. Mm-hmm. Then they ask me, when am I gonna? What am I gonna do when I have to hit a full shot? I'm like, you're not gonna hit one. So <laughs> I like that. That's
0: awesome. Um uh what is your craziest golf
2: story? Oh my god, craziest golf story. <laughs> oh my god, I mean, I have so many. I mean, it depends on what direction you want to go in, you know, it could be a, I mean, I go I go, I'm so lucky to have gone to so many pro pro ams and my teams have been pretty consistent through the years and I've always gone with the same people to certain things. And I mean, I guess I couldn't tell some of them, but, but we, <laughs> when we go away, I'm like the biggest babysitter. I got to make sure that they're all in bed and they all make their times.
0: Hmm. We you can cut anything. So I'll go ahead and tell it. Share
2: it with oh it. my God. When I was in Las Vegas, I'll never forget this story. I went to Las Vegas in like 2018 and the guys that I went with are great. The two guys that I went with are crazy as could be. And the other guy is a golf nut. And the golf nut doesn't really go out and doesn't party too hard, which I love about him. He gives me somebody to hang out with. And we were in, we went like two days early to the Vegas Pro-Am. And the two guys like disappeared in the evening, which I always expected them. And I just told them, I'm like, we have a tea time tomorrow morning at this court, at Rio Seca. I'm like, just be on time. You know, we'll meet in the lobby at like 11 o'clock. Or 10 o'clock, or whatever it was, I don't even remember. So, they're like, Yeah, no problem, we'll see you there. So, we go to the lobby like a half an hour early. I text them, They're like, Yeah, we'll be there. Then they don't show up like half an hour later, they're still not there. And then I'm like, Where the hell could these guys be? So, now it's like an hour. Now, I'm getting nervous because now I'm calling, I gotta change my time. So, anyway, they're like, We're coming, we're coming, we're coming they run down the stair they finally get down and i'm like where were you guys and they like hid i guess they hid their wallets and like phones in the room and they thought they left them at the like the clubs they were at or something and they they called like the clubs and see if their wallet was there and their watches or who knows and and it's it's it, every time i i go away with these guys there's always like a little something that happens and <laughs> that's brings back some stories uh, every year but and long story short is we get to breakfast and they break out some receipts and like they're like i don't know like i think a limo took us back last night they're talking and then they're like oh my god i think a limo did bring us back and then they see like credit card receipt for like you know six thousand dollars each and i'm like what the hell did you guys do they're like we don't even remember Wow! Well, how they played? You guys end up playing. <laughs> oh my god! They ended up. They ended up taking me and my other pal who didn't go out against them two for dinner, and they. I think they. They must have knew they were gonna lose. They just. <laughs> they just like were like yeah we're playing you for dinner and, and and I was like okay well where's dinner and they're like well no we're gonna go to whatever Carbon which is like the most expensive restaurant. In Las Vegas, and I was like, All right. I'm like, yeah, sure, done. And I knew, I knew they weren't going to make it more than like ten holes. And they actually had it us down like two. I was getting a little scared, but then, then the, the alcohol started bleeding out of them, and then <laughs> we ended up getting some free carbon. And we went to dinner, and I won't forget it. I went to dinner, and we, and I got this thing called Dover Soul. Never even heard of it. It was like a fish fillet. And one of my members and I split it and the other two were so like hungover that at dinner that they, they ended up buying like two bottles of wine and the <laughs> dinner bill the dinner bill must have been like uh, maybe two thousand dollars. Wow. And wow. I think it was so funny because the guy was like that was the most expensive dinner that I didn't eat. And he was <laughs> like <"I'm laughs> to sleep yeah. at dinner. But yeah, we awesome. we've had we've had some great times, my teams and been so fortunate to go to Pebble Beach, and yeah, we've had some fun times.
1: That's awesome. My so like
2: crazy golf cool. stories. And in college, my, my clubs fell out of the back of the Bronco bus
1: oh, to the
2: main highway in Columbus, Ohio, and um, none of them broke. There we go. Were they fine? They were fine. They were fine. <laughs> Those are yeah. good sticks. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. That was pretty crazy. I've never heard of something something like that happen before. No. What uh, what brand were
0: they? Shout out to that brand.
2: Ping at the time, I think. Ping, I mean, <laughs> Ping and like, I think it was a G10, I10 irons or something like that. Some freshman didn't shut the door hard enough, man. Yeah, that, that flew yeah that, some of these clubs are on the highway. I'm like, I look back and I think, yeah. <laughs> I think, funny. I think me and like another kid were the only two kids on the team that didn't have a team bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like because we just yeah. made a team and it was. I was like, oh shit, that's my bag. And
0: uh, <laughs> it was like, I knew
2: it and it was it was that was pretty funny.
0: Uh, All right, final uh final rapid fire. What is your favorite hobby outside of golf?
2: Oh my god, favorite hobby outside of golf. There's not many of them. I wish I had more. I mean, I think I, I think I like I like to drive. Um driving is a hobby, right? Yeah. Yeah, I like to drive, I like to hike. My fiance and I spend a lot of time outdoors, and we love to like drink some wine. And drinking is always fun, but you know, not not too much. But yeah, I would say like, just just traveling. I love to travel. Travel is yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah. And what yeah.
1: part of uh, Long Island are you on again?
2: Um, I live in Bethpage currently. Still, I bought a place in Bethpage, uh, so okay. we're like central on the island, pretty much. More like yeah. Manhattan.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm familiar with Dix Hills because my girlfriend she grew up there. So yeah, that's.
2: Yeah, that's right where my so. old club was. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Not too far.
1: Is that all we got, brother.
2: That's that that's wraps all our up. questions. So.
1: Well, James, we truly appreciate your time. We know it's been some long days for you, so we appreciate your time, your insight. So we always want to give our guests this last little minute here to kind of plug yourself, any kind of projects or things you're working on. Where can people find you on
2: social media or get a hold of you you can always find me at uh my golf court my golf club at engineers country club because that's my second home um social media i sprinkle his stuff here and there i'm not really on it too much uh bergy baby on instagram that's kind of all i use um other than that I no projects yet just trying to figure out how to get through this year yeah. One year at a time. There's no projects. I mean, just better myself every year. Play a little more golf every year. It's my goal. It never happens, but this is gonna be a new year. We're gonna do. It, we're gonna do it differently this time. But yeah, no, Definitely. nothing going on. Yeah,
1: cool, brother. Well, once again, we appreciate your time. You'll have to when you're down here in Florida. We'll have to link up and uh, play yeah, some
2: G. Florida, it's too high. You got to come up here now. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> it's I will. About that yeah. Time. we'll have to come up there for it's the summer. Today, yesterday was 70, and today was probably close to 60, 65. Oh, that's yeah. a good
1: that's a good little temperature, yeah. Today was uh, kind of hot. It felt hot for for March down here. But it yeah, was, it was
2: 88 today. It, yeah. it was warm out there. Yeah. Well, thanks again. Thanks for having me, guys. We Absolutely. truly appreciate it, man. Thanks, thanks for coming on.
0: Contraband got that dope. Sometimes I don't feel right no. Girl on my face, you say shit nigga, but That's why, I don't feel right Catch me in the cat, more white
1: tonight Stop talking, I'm breaking the bank, yeah I'm breaking the bank